0: saturday Night south podcast he is chris marler i am connor
1: marler I, I realized something looking at the slate that we had on saturday
0: it was supposed to be cake week
1: yeah i was supposed to be at bobby dot stadium with Alex hanging out not, not watching just getting into a georgia tech i guess pit game for seven dollars but yeah it was uh it was it was supposed to be cake week which means i don't know how i feel about this because this is rivalry week for me
0: This is true. This is true. That means this slate is going to be really good because the more I thought about it, I was like, man, this is really kind of like a, just in terms of storylines, really not a whole lot there that you look at from the outset and you're kind of hoping for some craziness on Saturday. We didn't necessarily get a ton of craziness, but there are, I I think.
1: The Ohio State ending, and you'll have to explain that to me. You were like, listen, we just need to do. Uh, we just need to do a, a segment with the Big Ten thing. We should have been doing it the whole year because I asked you three questions about the Big Ten and you were spot on on all of them.
0: That's a first because the week before, <laughs> I was over for 6 in my picks.
1: <laughs> but so. you, said, you said Wisconsin. I said Wisconsin at Northwestern. You're like, dude, Wisconsin doesn't beat Northwestern they don't. at Northwestern. They did you see don't. the stat real quick? I know this is an SEC podcast, but did you see the stat? I think it might have been Dustin Schuette that threw it out there. Guys, follow him if you don't because he's fantastic even though it's all Big Ten stuff. He... um. He made the point that only there's only two t- play or two coaches that have beaten. Uh, damn it! What is this? Pat Fitzgerald. No, no. So Pat Fitzgerald has beaten Wisconsin three times. Yeah. But only two coaches have beaten um, Paul Chryst more than twice in that same time span.
0: Interesting. That's it, random it's something like
1: that. I don't know either way. But it was it was impressive. Northwestern had a good win, and uh, none of that matters to you guys.
0: We will have a tiny, tiny little bit of uh, some Justin Fields stuff later. Uh, We're going to talk about the current Georgia quarterback as well, JT Daniels, and his big debut in Athens. Uh, Auburn and what it was able to do, continuing Tennessee's misery, some Jeremy Pruitt stuff that I think is absolutely worth bringing up after Tennessee lost its fifth consecutive game by double digits, which had never happened in school history before last night. We're going to get to a little bit of some other Heisman things as well. Oh, by the way, Kirk Herbstreet joining the pod. Recorded an interview with Kirk the other day that um, you know he was able to come on one of those kind of 12, quick 12-minute 12 spots, but actually hit on a, a lot of stuff that um, you're definitely going to want to stick around for. And then we've also got our usual Sunday apologies. Going to talk a little bit of playoff poll, which comes out on Tuesday, the first playoff poll, Tuesday. Yeah.
1: Does that mean we don't get Maction?
0: No, I think it means we get Maxion. I think it precedes. Oh, no, it doesn't. You know what? I that think I think Maxion on Tuesday is over. I think it's that officially sucks. over.
1: But you know what else is, is coming out is we get like a 30 for 30. It's an SEC story, but it's basically like a 30 for 30. I saw that. On, on um, Texas A&M. And it made, me, it made me remember. I forgot where it was. I don't know if it was on here or not, but we interviewed somebody about the, the stories about Jackie Sherrill because it's over the 12th man at A&M. Yep. And the rumor about him castrating a live bull in the locker room. And I was like, hey, did that happen and or did you throw up afterwards? I forgot who the guy was we even interviewed. And he was like, I can't talk about what happened in the locker room. Mm. But yes, I absolutely did throw up afterwards. And I was like, Yikes. okay, <laughs> there's that.
0: Good to know. So we've got a lot to get to today. Before we get to everything, Marler, I just came back from the grocery
1: store. Ooh. It, is,
0: it is officially Hawaiian roll season, which you know I am happy about. Yeah. You know what goes well with Hawaiian rolls? Some Texas Pete.
1: Yes. Uh it's the week, uh, it's my favorite week of the year. It's Thanksgiving week, um, which means, you know, if you're if you're in school, you get to go, you get a short week, which is awesome. Um, if you're not in school, you can still necessarily get a short week. We don't have the Egg Bowl on Thanksgiving this, this year. Ah, I'm bombed. I know, it sucks, but it doesn't mean that it's not going to be a fantastic Thanksgiving. Um, I'm not sure what your plans are for Thanksgiving, but we, we're having like a Friendsgiving type thing. Um, socially distanced in the neighborhood. And I had to already send out a warning and I was like, I want everyone to know two things. One, you better bring your own green bean casserole because I have one for myself. Two, bring your own Texas Pete because mine is for me, not for you. It's like a water bottle. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I gotta stay hydrated with my TP. So um, we are are in the thick of, of Thanksgiving and listen, nothing goes better with a turkey uh, besides a nap, then some good old Texas Pete, Texas Pete wing sauce, Texas Pete dust. Maybe you put that thing before you drop it in the fryer, coat it with some Texas Pete dust. I don't know. Do what you, whatever you want to do, but make sure you get some Hawaiian rolls like Connor said, and make some mini sandwiches and make sure you have some Texas Pete because I don't think anything says Thanksgiving like just a drizzle of TP and people say a dab will do you, but it won't. Um, you, need, you need a heavy drizzle all over that entire turkey, all over that bird. Get yourself some Texas Pete today. Make Thanksgiving fun again.
0: I don't know about you, but I have decided that JT Daniels is better than Stetson Bennett the 4th. Or my bad. JT Daniels the 1st is better go. than Stetson Bennett the 4th. Did you come to that realization last night?
1: I so my question for Georgia fans, and I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm being dead serious. Are, are, do you think Georgia fans are more frustrated now or less frustrated with the performance that he had?
0: Well, Barrett Salisbury brought this point up during the week and I, I actually the more I thought about it, I was like, you know what? He's right. This lose-lose scenario that was sitting yep. out there for Kirby Smart heading into that game on Saturday night where if JT Daniels looks awful, then it's like, oh man, the future is all of a sudden looking more and more bleak. It better be Carson Beck. It better be Brock right. Vandegrift. One of those guys is going to have to look like the guy because what you've seen from Dewan Mathis and JT Daniels would not have been good. And then on the flip side, if JT Daniels goes off and Georgia already has two losses, it totally... It totally makes, makes you question, what in the world is Kirby doing? Because yeah. as we find out after this game, you know, Kirby said, and of course he had to answer the question, why wasn't he starting before? And it took a Stetson Bennett shoulder injury to make this happen, which is sort of a baffling yeah. thought in itself. But after the game, Kirby keeps maintaining, you know, JT Daniels, he was not fully healthy. He looked good when he had a clean pocket, but when he had to move in practice, he wasn't that good. JT Daniels said that he's been cleared since Arkansas, and every game since then has been a coach's decision. Mm -hmm. Clearly, this is not some sort of universal, oh, yeah, you know, I just wasn't right. They really weren't necessarily in a spot to put me in. From the sound of that, JT Daniels is like, hey, I could have been doing this a month ago, and I wasn't put in position to. So very awkward dynamic to see that unfold after what was just a a really, really stellar opening game for him.
1: He... He may have become my favorite player, and not just because, listen, move over Trask and TDs. Um, I don't know if I've even shown you this yet, but just listen up, Connor. Hold on. Wait for it.
0: I know where you're going with this. Yeah,
1: you should. Wait you for to- it, guys. You need to edit it, either. Stash. mm Dash money records taken over for the well, it's not the nine nine and the two thousand, but you know what it, you know what I'm saying. Um, I, I, he may have become my new favorite player, not just because the the anthem that is now going to just blare from the the speakers at Sanford Stadium and every Ford Raptor in Athens, but um, the fact that did he say this afterwards? I, I had several Georgia fans tweet me this or, or text me this and, and say that this was an actual quote, and I haven't seen it confirmed anywhere. Did he say what's the point of recruiting number one overall receivers if you're not going to throw to them?
0: I did not see that. If he said that, that's news <laughs> <used> to me. <that. laughs>
1: so, I've, i a buddy of mine, Grant Tall, one of my, one of my favorite people, uh, friends from college. He sent me a text saying, the quote he had afterwards is so damning for Kirby, and and he's a really logical UGA fan, and, and he brought up the fact that he was like, I'm, he's more frustrated now afterwards than he was before because of the fact that, where was this? I mean, like, like what did you save him for? You know what I mean? Like, like we asked the question a couple weeks ago, like, hey, why did you try to rush to get him cleared? But now you look at the schedule, and it's like, well, thank God. You saved him for who? Kentucky, I mean wait, South Carolina and Vanderbilt? Yikes.
0: He's going to put up some big numbers and I if if you were a neutral observer in that game, you, you were thinking to yourself afterwards, man, I, I wish I could see that offense against Florida or against Bama because that is exactly what they needed. And when we talked about last week or two weeks ago, after the Florida game of like, look, the scheme was there. Todd yeah. Munkins doing some things that like Georgia needed to do. Georgia needed to modernize and they were, they were able to stretch the field. They just didn't necessarily have the quarterback to be able to get him the ball. And man, every time that dude dropped back and threw one deep, it was like, oh, this is how this is supposed to look. Jermaine Burton is streaking wide open. He's high-pointing the football. George Pickens is yep. going out there looking like a five-star guy. I mean, this is, this is exactly what Georgia fans were hoping for. It didn't even matter, lost in the shuffle of this, that Georgia couldn't run the football to save its life last night against no. Zach Garnett's defense. But you've got JT Daniels out there just continuing to stretch the field ends up throwing up for more than 400 yards that hasn't happened for a Georgia quarterback since Aaron Murray our buddy Aaron Murray back in 2013 yeah I get it Mississippi State only had 49 scholarship players but still think about that we never saw Jake Fromm do that once in three years this confirmed to me look the system is right the ideology is right the common denominator is Kirby not being Thank able you. to fully diagnose this.
1: It, the, the, prob- the problem here is, and listen, like, I, I get that people still, there, there are people that like, want to apologize for Kirby and be like, well, we don't know what was going on behind the scenes. He could, like, I had several people last night, because I was like, listen, it's almost like this five-star quarterback should have been starting the whole time. And people who have been saying the same thing for whatever reason still wanted to argue it and were like, well, no, I mean, he was injured, blah, blah. It doesn't sound to me like he was injured. And And you know what, like, Maybe he was, and, and we're not there at practice every day. Totally get it. But the fact that we have now seen Kirby do this, this is a bad look for Kirby. It, like, the, like, the perception on this will be reality, and especially when you look back at it, because it's like, uh, you know, he could he could lead them the rest of the way, and they go undefeated. I know Georgia fans really well from growing up in the state, and you're lying to yourself if you're not saying right now, like, you're not going to have a what-might-have-been situation that you're going to yeah. be saying, if like, the rest of the season. Just like you're also going to be saying, this is what's, we're good to go for next year. Like, next year's our year. Oh, like, the hype train is going to be off and running. The, well, and, and and with good reason. Because, like, you talk about, like, on the season, Setson Bennett having eight touchdown passes. Eight. JT Daniels had half that in one game. And, and, and you know, I, I saw Florida fans just <laughs> from all angles saying, like, well, you know, Mississippi State's defense isn't that good. Mississippi State's defense is ranked, one, ahead of Florida at every – all four major statistical categories. You defense is good. They're really good. They're ranked in the top four, I think, in three out of the four major categories, except for scoring defense. And they've already had to play Alabama, um, so I just I think that this was a really good win, and it really showed. I I hate to say it, but like you said, Kirby is the common denominator, and I'll say one further: he's the problem because he if he can get out of his own way, we're good to go here. Like Todd Munkin, this was Todd Munkin's offense, yeah. like throwing the ball deep, airing it out, like being able to like. How good did this offense look when you weren't just going to George Pickens like Fromm did last year or Cager or just the one guy? Yeah. It was it was so dynamic going to Keiris Jackson and, and and Burton and Pickens. It looks so good.
0: The interesting now thing now is these these three these last like three games plus you know a bowl game and whatnot, how that's gonna set the table for this offseason. We've heard Todd Munkin's name be kind of thrown around for some of these potential job openings as well. And could he be an attractive candidate? Because what he brings to the table is a play caller. That is what you look for in 2020. And so we're gonna see that play out. We're gonna see, hey, what's what's gonna be the deal with JT Daniels, who I I don't wanna say this point, but it's worth remembering dude's draft eligible. We've seen Jamie Newman go off of less. I'm just saying. I'm not. I'm. I'm not saying it's gonna happen. I'm not saying. (laughs) Sorry, Georgia fans. I didn't mean to go there. But you know, it was fun to watch this. And go figure, a game in which Georgia is favored by 24 points and they win by a touchdown. And we're we're sitting here talking about, wow, that was cool. That was great. That's football in 2020. And we need to we need to remember that moving forward with this team. Speaking,
1: I I love I love that you just threw that out there. By the way.
0: (laughs) Speaking of coaches who uh, were. Under Nick Saban at one point as defensive coordinators at Alabama, who have proven to not know how to manage their quarterback situation, Jeremy Pruitt. Oh, what a night for Jeremy Pruitt! Auburn beats Tennessee in a game that was just so perfectly Tennessee. Yeah. You can't even write a better script than it was what was really played perfectly out.
1: for both of them.
0: Yeah, yeah, it really was.
1: <laughs> I mean, like, like the like at one point I was looking at, it, I was like, man. Tennessee like I'm like looking at Allie we had been drinking some wine I'll be honest and it was like I was like man Tennessee should be winning this game huh and she was like yeah it's it's if it wasn't for that pick six from Garantano and I was like oh yeah yeah, that was yeah the key he did point it again, again huh yeah <laughs> so yeah. there you go
0: Tennessee fifth consecutive game again by double digits first time in program history program has been around since 1891 I I come back to this look Tennessee being outscored 108 to 14 in the second half of their yeah, last 5 games is 100% coaching. That is coaching 101. If you don't have a coach that can make adjustments, you're just expect you should be expecting to fail on a weekly basis. And that is the tough thing that if you're a Tennessee fan, you can't fully get on board for.
1: JT Daniels did say that. <laughs> He said real quick. He said, "If you have Jermaine Burton and George Pickens, don't recruit them if you aren't going to throw to them." All right. Well. Yeah.
0: That's an interesting, interesting yeah. way to stir the pot. Needless to say.
1: Anyway, but yeah, the Tennessee thing. Back to it. Sorry to interrupt that. Um, yeah, the second half. But it, like, it. I think that is a storyline because the first half they look pretty
0: good. Again. Yeah, but if you go into half tied and you're Tennessee, that's a loss. You need to be mm-hmm. winning by at least 17 points. Hope that you could somehow save off a lead. Hope that the person who is supposed to catch Jared Gantano's pick six drops it, and then you're able to hold on and hold on yeah. for dear life. But that just doesn't happen. This is a really, really bad sign. Obviously, yeah. I think if Pruitt doesn't get that extension, I-, I think the writing is on the wall at this point. And Phil I had dream has enough fired. good races. and I won't, I won't totally rule it out. Because we just saw South Carolina be willing to pay the $13 million buyout. I think it's a little bit different when, because again, this comes down to the dynamics at play here. Everybody's question was, will Ray Tanner be willing to make that decision with Will Muschamp? The question of course would be, will Philip Fulmer be willing to make that decision with Jeremy Pruitt and realize that his first big time hire, which was obviously Philip Fulmer comes on board as the AD. like. As Pruitt is being hired, like right before that, he takes over the coaching search for John Curry and that whole mess that unfolded. Yeah. And that's the first thing you really kind of stick your neck out on. I don't think that Philip Fulmer is going to pull the trigger like that. But, of course, now the question for Tennessee fans is, look, this extension is is potentially going to miss uh, allow them to miss out on Hugh Freeze, who would be a dream candidate, right? Yep. I, I think that that's what the realization that Tennessee fans are having right now when, you know... That extension is just so frustrating because who is about to pro- poach Jeremy Pruitt? Who is about to hire him no after a year or two? It'd be totally different if all of a sudden you hear you know, a Chris Lowe story about Alabama saying that Nick Saban is nearing the end and he's going to retire. Right. But that's not the case. And I, I just come back to that belief of like, that's insanity to continue to extend a coach when we talked about the benefits of that for recruiting and stuff like that. But Jeremy Pruitt's already an all-world recruiter. He didn't need a contract extension to be able to recruit. And now all of a sudden they're sitting there with this terrible deal.
1: Yeah. It, I, again, it, this, this has really become like – it, the SEC has almost become so much like the NFL in a way that I hate. But at the same time, I understand because it's like, man, you guys have really honed in on the fact that like the quarterback is the key like like the quarterback it's like a quarterback driven league and we hear that all the time with the NFL I hate it it's like ad nauseum we hear it with the NFL but it really has become that and and, you know when you hear constantly constantly Tennessee fans like man I tell you what like the season's over like the season is a wash like you've already embarrassed yourself let's just stop like stop the bleeding stop embarrassing yourself even more and he's not been able to do that for some reason. And, and when you go out there and you run Jared Garantano, I get that if you think he has the the best chance to, to help you, to help you win. Sure. I don't get that. I don't get that at this point. But like, I I really don't. And like this this goes right back to the same thing I was yelling at Kirby about a couple weeks ago, which is like, dude, it, like regardless of if he's a senior, regardless if he has more experience, whatever, he's not winning football games. You he's have not. to switch it up. And and like. You know, I tell you what. Like, I, I've been, I've been in locker rooms where you you see somebody get trotted out there, and you're like, God, bless it. Like, we you know, know it. we don't have it's a, over. We don't have a chance to win with that guy. Like, what? are you, Like, what ha- did you know? Like, this is gonna sound like way more high school stuff, but it's like, did his dad like give a bunch of money to the booster club or something? Like, what what is happening that he is still getting a chance to to start over these other kids that you know have the talent and they they might make mistakes, but. My God, like how many more times do we have to see a pick six thrown to the other team by Jerry Garen? How many times do we have to see that?
0: It was so, it was so, the, the timing of it was just perfect. Well, he you was, were just he was waiting hit, for it. To be yeah, fair. He, he was hit from Owen Popo, but Smoke yeah. Monday takes that 100 yards the other way. And it is the key play of the game. And of course... Auburn fans are like, well, thanks, Tennessee, because you were running it right down our throats with Eric Gray. Eric Gray, by the way, 212 scrimmage yards in that game, and Tennessee still didn't even have a chance, which is so maddening because, like, I thought defensively once again, like, Tennessee's not necessarily a bad defensive team, but, like, you've got defensive players that that are continuing to lobby for Harrison Bailey to play, and instead Harrison Bailey doesn't come out until – there's, what, six minutes left in that game. Yeah. Jared Garantano is in year five as a quarterback on this level, and he is still staring down receivers. Like, he stared down a receiver the entire way. That's why Smoke Monday jumped the route. I, I, I continue to be baffled by this, and the comments that Jeremy Pruitt made after show me that he's never going to figure it out. Like, he comes out afterwards and says, we gained more yards than them in that game. Like, what were you watching? Like, <laughs> bro, that's your that's your defense? That's, yeah. If that is seriously your defense right now, just what go take a defensive you, coordinator job and don't yeah. ever talk about offense again, because you can't look at what you have done, especially in the second half these last five games, where you've scored a total of 14 freaking points and yeah. tell me that what you're doing offensively is working. Give Harrison Bailey a chance. If you're willing to do it with six minutes left in a game, do it from yeah. the start. What do you have to lose at this point?
1: Connor, I don't know if we're even you know are they even out there we we play in a second half i don't know why we're it's even playing we should play a it's first half only i don't understand you got yeah it's good that was pretty good all right here we go we got a new one here guys Oh boy, Jeremy Pruitt. Uh, we got we, we'll
0: we'll diversify from those two sentences eventually yeah. over time. That you're gonna have we'll, we'll workshop about head that.
1: coach Tennessee yeah. football, Jeremy Pruitt. Listen, I tell you what, we'll do it until some a-hole uh, leaves a one-star review because he got mad that it's uh, somehow rude to the culture of Tennessee. We'll do that. How about that? Like the coach even though even though Jeremy Pruitt isn't
0: from <laughs> uh, from right, Tennessee, area. exactly. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Credit to Auburn. Uh, Tank Bixby goes down early in this game. Yeah, the defense is getting gashed by the run, and they still find a way to score 27 consecutive points. In that game, Anthony Schwartz. I'm pretty sure I've said this. I used to say this when I was younger. When somebody would score on the goal line, and I'm like, "Oh, that would have been a hundred yard touchdown," not knowing that obviously, like uh, the yeah. personnel that's set up from the defense. Yeah, of course, they're going to go all out. Right. Yeah, but Anthony Schwartz on that play could have scored a thousand yard touchdown. I'm very confident in
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> Probably more than that, Connor. He's really fast. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I thought that. The, I, I thought it was great to see him kind of get involved in the uh, in the, the what do you call it in the passy game. Um, Bo Nix had a great game. Is that all we have for this? Um,
0: that's. I didn't necessarily want to get too deep into the weeds with... Yeah with Auburn and whether or not Auburn has like turned this corner and is now all of a sudden a good team. The good news for a program like Alabama, who would like to be able to theoretically go into the SEC championship with a playoff bid automatically clinched and why strength of strength of win, strength of record is going to become that much more important. Auburn is firmly in the top 25 going into the iron bowl and in the iron bowl, I'm guessing, and I I don't know this for a fact, but this is just based on kind of the comments that we've seen talking about this guy. I think KJ Britt's going to be back
1: for that Auburn defense. Oh, man. I hope so. Um, Honestly, you could bring back, excuse my language, Connor. I'll just say it. You can bring back Taquio Spikes if you want to for this one. Uh, You bring back every Tracy Rocker, Cam Newton, all of them. I can't wait. We want all the smoke. Bam by a 1,000. I can't wait for this game. God, I hate Auburn. Taquio Spikes has not aged one Uh, bit. Dude, he he was another regular at Houston's, and I remember... I remember having this conversation with him in 2010. I was like, dude, I was like, you're Takiyo Spikes, right? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, really nice to meet you. I was like, I, I'm a Bama fan. And he was like, uh-huh. I was like, before you say anything, just know, I was like, you're like my favorite Auburn player of all time. Like, you, you just you just had it all the time. And he goes, well, Chris, let me tell you something. One, I appreciate that. And two, Bama. And I was, <laughs> I was like, okay, that's fair. That's totally fair.
0: There are very <laughs> few human beings on this earth who have a built-in neck roll, and he is dude, one of them.
1: Dude, so big.
0: Big human being. Did also you have any? Shout tennis? out
1: to Gus Malzahn for uh, kicking that field goal to cover the spread. That was big.
0: Really appreciate that, Gus. Yeah. Really appreciate that. Uh, LSU rallies back late to beat Arkansas. Just a weird game. A really, really weird game to start off Saturday. Had some questionable calls. Once again, Arkansas fans not happy with refs it. and the officiating. Um Having said that, because it was it wasn't quite as egregious, I, and I'm not saying it wasn't a momentum shifting play, but it was a right. little bit different than the Auburn scenario with Bo Nix and the spike and all that. Yeah, Ar- Arkansas felt like it could have made all the big time plays. Like I saw the Pro Football Focus stat on like Felipe Franks and passes that went 20 yards or more, and he was like five of five for 249 yards. Yeah. some Felipe dimes in this one. Mike Woods Dude. was excellent and against an lsu secondary that lost Derek stingley in this game and eli ricks is ejected for targeting it seemed like arkansas was going to be able to throw deep all day but when yeah. you go 0 of 10 on third downs and yeah it, it just didn't necessarily line up for an arkansas victory And credit lsu credit tj finley for being able to to rally back and finally win a close game which they have not been able to do all year
1: there, yeah, you, you need to credit LSU for real. I'll start by saying that like it, it was a good win for Coach o. I think Coach o is now twelve and zero coming off a loss. Correct. So thank God you guys played Arkansas after a loss and not Bama. But um, but no, I, I, all jokes aside, he deserves a lot of credit for being able to rally the troops under a lot of scrutiny. Like I've I've said a lot of stuff this week. Um, so great win on the road with a freshman quarterback. All that stuff. The other side of this is I thought for the first time all season. Arkansas was let down because of their coordinators. I, I thought, like, mm. when you go 0 of 10 on third down, that's a play-calling issue from from Kendall Bryles. And he's been great all year, and so is Barry Odom. But I tell you what, where, where I noticed it the most was fourth quarter, they're, like, on their own 20. And Felipe Franks, they get, like, an eight-yard run on first down, which I, I still thought he should have, like, gotten rid of the football, but he got an eight-yard run. Second down, they did a designed quarterback run, like a stretch play to the right – which gained no yards it's, it's two yards you also have rakeem Boyd in the backfield go north and south don't ever he, he was out he was out okay game. my bad my bad yeah. so but, but like they were still able to like i mean they, they didn't run that effectively but they're still able to run somewhat effectively like in and, and i understand that felipe has been pretty good on the ground but like regardless run north and south run north and south i i, I didn't understand why they in, like they give like a stretch play the next play same exact type of thing but to the left and he ends up having to, like – they gave him the first down, but he's, like, stretching, like, reaching out, like, as he get got hit, like, you know, trying to get the first. It it, it was bad play calling on my – my, in my opinion, going 0 for 10 on third downs. And the other part of it is I don't think that the the calls from the refs were what decided the game, but, my God, the SEC officiating just doesn't do anything to stay out of their own way. They just don't. Like, like they have all season long, they have gone – and I, it's happened a lot against Arkansas. It's happened a lot for Auburn. It happened against Ole Miss like, several times as well. I don't know what that what that's about. But just stay out of your own way. Like I, there was why was the L, the LSU touchdown at the end of the game ruled an incomplete pass?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I,
1: Off the bat, you were standing right there. I don't understand. Like it just none of that makes sense to me. I didn't think it was targeting either.
0: Yeah, I can't quite figure this out. And the targeting that was called on uh, Jalen Catalan, already had Hunter check and Sam Pittman come out. And, you know, by definition, I'm not I'm not justifying this because he didn't lead yeah. with he didn't lead with the crown of his helmet or anything like that, but they say uh, a hit to the head or right. neck area is is the point. I, I when I watched that, I thought that was a perfectly legal and clean football hit from a guy who does nothing but make big time plays and tackles in the secondary. He had like 16 tackles in that game. I mean, that, yeah. he is he's having a remarkable season for Arkansas. Yeah. But that's one of those that's one of those plays where you're like, all right. Sooner or later, the ball is going to bounce Arkansas' way. And it just did not quite seem to happen. But credit LSU because LSU, in a game in which, you know, we're questioning, how, how is this LSU team going to come out? Are they going to have any yeah. sort of motivation whatsoever? It's been a bad week in Baton Rouge in terms of the headlines and all that stuff. And who's actually opting into this season? And who who still feels like they have something to play for when that SEC yeah. championship isn't, isn't in sight? I credit LSU for being able to, to to put something together late, and I thought TJ Finley stayed really poised down the stretch, and Terrace Marshall, those guys are still playing hard, and they deserve they definitely deserve some some credit for that because we've been critical of LSU, and I think rightfully so. Yeah. They've been a punching bag for a lot of teams. Everybody loves to see you come down, but to be able to respond like that, to not have a losing streak this year when this is a, you know, we're talking about Tennessee falling apart. LSU hasn't fallen apart in the same way when I think they could have.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, that's fair.
0: You want to talk about this Mizzou-South uh, Carolina game because... Brother, I don't
1: want to talk about South Carolina <laughs> at all. i you do all that.
0: <laughs> all right. Um, Eli Drinkowitz, I think, just is the new... I mean, I, I think he just is the president of South Carolina now, uh, the university. I think he just gets to rename uh, the field after himself. Yeah. Second consecutive year in which Eli Drinkowitz wins in Columbia with two different teams, nonetheless. You knew that South Carolina was gonna be in a tough spot with so many of these opt-outs, and it only got more challenging when Shy Smith went down. In the first two and a half yep. minutes of this game, you're like, oh, crap. <laughs> half of their offense is Shai Smith, the other half is Kevin Harris. This isn't gonna end well. But even in a loss, even in a game in which Mizzou wins and covers the spread, um, it didn't feel like they covered in that game. It felt like they should've won by more. Yeah. You kinda of thought they were going to. <laughs>
1: I thought about that. I was like, oh, they did cover.
0: Go figure. Um, But I think South Carolina fans were very encouraged by what they saw from Luke Doty when he was finally able to get the full reps in that game when Colin Hill was taken out of that game because don't you know what? The Colin Hill thing just wasn't working. And Mike Bobo, I don't recognize that. Yeah. um, Crazy what a mobile quarterback can do for you. There's no doubt Luke Doty, QB1, rest of the year. Uh, I think that's that's, that's pretty safe. Telling that he threw that pick late to to Nicholson, and um, it was still obvious after the game. He's still getting high fives on the sideline and stuff. He's going to be the guy for the rest of 2020. But what I think was premature, and you can push back on this if you disagree.
1: I have nothing to say.
0: I think it's... (laughs) We've seen this situation at places like Ole Miss, Mm -hmm. where we think, okay... This person is definitely going to be the guy moving forward, like John Rice Plumley last year. We saw what happened with him, and then we're thinking he's the quarterback of the future. Matt Corral is definitely going to transfer. New offensive mind comes in. You never know what's going to fit that system. And in 2020, I can't definitively say that Luke Doty is going to be a catch-all for whatever sort of yeah. offensive mind comes in. So while there are a lot of South Carolina fans who are like, quarterback of the future, let's go, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, uh, quarterback of 2020. Quarterback of 2020, talk yeah. to me when they actually get their head coach in there. When we saw Lane Kiffin and what he could do with Matt Corral, we were quickly like, okay, that was a smart move, not to start right. John Rice Bumley instead. And I think the same could potentially be true for South Carolina.
1: It's almost like having a guy that goes 16 of 26 for 162 yards. He didn't get there, though. Pick. He would have. He was 6 of 10 for 39 yards. It was beautiful. <laughs> it was like I mean, <laughs> that's like,
0: a DeWan Mathis line. Yuck. Yeah,
1: it was. Uh, it was not great. So he, um, I, I'm glad they finally switched it up. I Hopefully they'll switch it up for the rest of the year. But um, yeah, like a, just an ugly game, um, and that's all I have to say about it. I, I didn't watch much of it. I don't like. Just I don't care. There's three SEC games on at the same time. I know. I forgot this game was on. Uh, to be honest, at first because it just it's an it was an afterthought. So sorry to South Carolina fans again. But anyway. well, One
0: quick thing: First-year head coaches Sam Pittman, Lane Kiffin, Eli Drinkwitz, all sitting there with three wins. Interesting. Coach of the Year conversation. I, Sam Pittman still gets my vote. Yeah, but that that will be an interesting topic of conversation in the next. Who, few weeks,
1: who else? Is, hold on, hold on. This is what you. This is what I told you though. I told you Arkansas still has Mizzou and Bama. Those are both losable games. Ole Miss has Mississippi State and LSU. I'm telling you right now. If Ole Miss goes on the road. Uh, and beats LSU. Lane Kemp will be the head, the, the coach of the year. He or probably will. Just split will. it. Do the right thing and just split it. Yeah. Can they do
0: that. I don't know. Is that communism?
1: I don't know. They, oh, Jesus. Um. They they should have split that damn boot trophy just so it's easier to carry off. That thing is enormous. That thing is like a, a. a, a I'll just say it. It's like a M- Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade float. It is huge. It is absolutely Goodness. massive. Yeah, yeah
0: it, I don't think that fits in any sort of trophy case at all. Mm. That's, that's a problem. Yeah. I don't know what they do with that. Mac Jones and Kyle Trask played in games <laughs> that were um, – I think Florida definitely was a little bit too close for comfort. Bama got off to a tiny bit of a slow start, I think, with shaking off <sighs> some of the rust. It was up until that field goal. And then the snap yeah. happened on that field goal where that snapper for Kentucky launched that thing into <laughs> orbit. <laughs> and it was all Sent she wrote after.
1: freaking moon, it hits. Good. Yeah, they, they – uh, I, I noticed that earlier. I was like, oh, I was really questioning my, my first-half bets because I had I taken Bama to score in the first five-and-a-half minutes. They did that. Then I took Bama to, to score more than 24-and-a-half points in the first half, score over uh, – and then cover the first-half spread of 21. And I was like, man – like they really just, they didn't have the ball that much. Like they had a punt once in the first half, and I forgot Bama had a punter. Um, but then it was like, oh, I mean, it was a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful cover at the end of the first half.
0: Did you see what Saban said afterwards about time of possession? Love it. Oh Loved it. no, man. what did he say? He said afterwards, he was asked a question about being able to control the ball, stuff like that. I don't know who asked the question or what yeah. necessarily the full context of the question was. But Saban's just like, last I checked, time and possession isn't winning football games. I don't care about that. Saban has adapted so much. And we've talked about it before. We talked about the yeah. quote that he had a few weeks ago where he's like, A good defense isn't just going to win you a championship. Like it's it's offense now. That that is the way of the world. And I think like you see little moments of that come out where he's like, I don't care if we have the ball twenty minutes. If we score sixty plus points, I'm going to be happy with that every single time.
1: It was amazing to me. One, some of the storylines. This was this was like my favorite game of the year to be honest. Because one, it started like right during the golden hour, which is a beautiful time of day. If you guys don't know that, get outside and enjoy it. We took Keso for a walk right beforehand. Um, But also the fact that. That like we hear the story, we have our favorite broadcasters on Cole Jordan and and uh, and Tom, and the fact that we get to hear the story that that Saban recruited Mark Stoops Isn't didn't that know a crazy that. Thing? Yeah, didn't know that at all. But it, it was it was amazing to me watching this because I knew I knew it was gonna happen because I was I was like stoking the the fires and stirring the pot early on, like jokingly about Kyle Trask, and I was like, huh, Mac Jones has never trailed to Vanderbilt. And I was obviously kidding because he's never played Vanderbilt. And there were some people that got that joke, some people that didn't. And because
0: Kyle Trask had one possession at that point. Yeah. was a touchdown. Yeah, yeah,
1: go ahead. Right. So so I, I realized, that, like, when I said that, I, I thought people would realize that like, that was kind of a joke. But to watch the fans from both sides afterwards kind of come out, and this has become a whole thing. This is going to be settled on the field. Like, this will be settled on That's the field. That's what I'm saying. That's Whether I'm you saying. guys like it or not, like, like, all the posturing now, like, I... I really thought I was doing a favor last week by throwing out, like, hey, look at these two graphics. Here's one that shows how great Kyle's is, and we can give that props. Here's one that shows how great Mac is. And we can give him props. And it was like, debate, nope, yeah. pick a side. And there was no debate, Connor. Pick a side. <laughs> there was It was ridiculous. So there were people that came out la- yesterday and saying how, like, Mac should have lost the Heisman race um, because of this game against Kentucky, and I was like, they won by 60 points. No, and
0: I thought Mac had – he had an okay game. That's not necessarily mm-hmm. going to be the game that's going to win him the Heisman. The good news right. for both Mac Jones and Kyle Trask, Kyle Trask his streak of four touchdown games finally came to an end. Yeah. Had a very mediocre for Kyle Trask standards, yeah. 300, like 380 passing yards and three touchdowns. Oh, by the way, he became the first SEC player to ever pass for 30 touchdowns in his first seven games. Probably was the victim of a couple of drops as well. The O-line was not He's great in Bader- that Bill, game.
1: He's, He's playing, playing better. Bader-
0: B- <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I get it. Um, but the good news for both of those guys is what happened to the two other guys that are in the Heisman Trophy race. Trevor Lawrence gets his game postponed right yeah. as he's getting ready to come back and play. Remember, we haven't seen Trevor Lawrence in like a month. You think we haven't seen Mac Jones in a bit? We haven't seen Trevor Lawrence in a
1: while. Allie, because- Allie said yesterday, she goes, man... Clemson has it like, have they even played enough games? And I was like, Clemson's played, like, more games than everybody, but they, you just don't realize it because Trevor Lawrence has been out for over a month.
0: So yeah, that's like, oh, part yeah, of it. Good point. So that happens, and Justin Fields, who, you know, look, I, I said coming into this, this game against Indiana. <laughs> I said coming into this game against Indiana. I'm going to stand by this. Justin Fields in his first three games was ridiculously good. Again.
1: Video game numbers.
0: Not video game numbers. I'm saying the throws that he was making where he only had 11 yeah. completions in his first three games. If you watch Justin Fields, you saw, wow, that dude has been was awesome. Yesterday against Indiana, my alma mater, a top 10 team, he saw a defense that confused him, and he had a game that you cannot have if you're no. going to win the Heisman Trophy playing only seven or eight games. And I think Justin Fields... Hurt his Heisman chances in a significant way, despite the fact that Ohio State's still undefeated. Yeah, he
1: he shouldn't be there anymore.
0: And I argued that before that game was played, just because the total number of games thing is going to end up mattering. That's what we've seen in the past. Even in this weird year, I don't think the Heisman committee is going to get too involved in this per game thing. And I think that they're going to look at that SEC championship game, Mm -hmm. especially after what happened this past weekend to Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields. And they're going to say, you know what? Let's let that determine it. If Mac Jones goes out there and looks way better than Kyle Trask or vice versa, let's just let that be the decider because at this point, I don't necessarily think that's the worst thing in the world unless Kyle Trask is having this record-breaking season and they lose some sort of like 58-57 to game in which Trask is brilliant and clearly looks like the better better quarterback but still loses.
1: Well, my my biggest Heisman takeaways yesterday were I love the fact that first drive of the game, you just knew – you just knew that that they were going to try to get like like Dan Mullen's going to try to get Kyle Trask the Heisman, and as he should, he's never had a Heisman like winner. He's had incredible seasons with quarterbacks. Dak was like the front runner for like, what?
0: I I had this thought to myself of. Um... This is gonna sound really cynical. This is gonna sound really cynical. so bear Good. with me on this real quick. And I didn't uh, I don't mean to interrupt you on this, but I, yeah, I forgot know. that I had this thought yesterday. In the haze of a full college football Saturday, yeah. this kind of escaped me. Dan Mullen switched up Florida's pregame routine and the halftime routine. They yeah. wa- they got to the stadium at Vandy about an hour before the game. They basically were all changed, ready to go, except for putting on their cleats. They did all that stuff on the field. They basically stayed on the field during halftime. They didn't want to be in close quarters in that yeah. hoc- locker room halftime because what they experienced. They he, he's convinced that they got they they had the COVID outbreak after they went to AM. They traveled, did all that stuff. Florida, if it gets to the SEC Championship with one loss and is able to play that game, is still going to have a chance to make the playoff if it wins the SEC yeah. Championship. This right now is Dan Mullen. In my opinion, Like I looked at that and I'm like, Dan Mullen is making sure that he is not going to have Heisman Trophy, a potential Heisman Trophy winner, miss out on potential games to play. At this point, that's yeah. what, it, what would happen. And he knows the importance of being able to play these games for his team because if you're Dan Mullen and you recruit that Heisman Trophy quarterback— that's like the last thing that's missing from him as a head coach. I know I understand Tebow. I understand Alex Smith. Titles. I'm saying in, t- in terms of his recruiting, I'm ter- in terms of the type of player that he wants to be able to recruit moving forward. I had that thought enter my mind, and that was the cynical side of me. But when I saw all of those things that he yeah. was willing to do, that kind of was like, oh, yeah. I mean, Kyle Trask winning the Heisman, he's going to need to play as many games as possible.
1: Well, you know, I think that him—he's also probably going out of his way to show that like he's not the a-hole when it comes to COVID. I get it. And, like, he cares about his team. To, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, well, and like all the stuff. To, yeah. Like well, I mean, I don't know if people still don't believe this is a thing or not. I, whatever. But like the the whole thing with him saying like, yeah, we should pack out the swamp, and, and he had like a bad look for a while, and then they the, all their players get it. I think it's 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 both of those things like to to an extent. Regardless. I, I was happy to see that when we got on the one yard line on first and goal, there was no play action pass. There was no let's get Mac another touchdown. Blah blah. blah. It was feed Najee. Najee gets his fifteenth touchdown. I was happy to see that Saban doesn't seem like he's really trying to to make Mac win a Heisman. Um, I, the, the Justin Fields thing I could not have enjoyed more because, I, like, you know, I, I, we talked about last week the stuff like like, and th- this is not calling out your brother, but this is like this. There are people that vote like this. It's like I'm voting for this way no matter what, and and like. And I knew that was gonna be a thing. I said it yesterday. And I was like, I guarantee you, there's gonna be somebody that says, "This is the gutsiest win we've seen from a contender all year from like Ohio State." And I'm sure there's one guy out there saying it. But it's like, top ten win, totally get it. That's impressive. But at the same time, this is what I was. This is what I was trying to say from the beginning of the season when it comes to Ohio State and Justin Fields. And what you've said too is like, man, like, like I knew the Penn State thing was gonna get blown out of proportion. When you go to a happy, you go to Happy Valley at night, and but there's like you know, 100,000 less people there than there normally would be, and you beat a team that on paper is ranked and good and it's a big matchup, blah, 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 There are people that want to anoint him the Heisen winner and them the national champs and best team in the country then. And by the way, Penn State's 0 and effing 5. Like, let this all play out. It's going gonna, it's gonna to play itself out. But, like, yeah, when you have a shorter schedule, I think you do need to really start, like, looking at things like I hate it for Trevor Lawrence and the season he's had, but Jesus man, give Ian Book some credit. Give give guys like that some credit. How about the running back from Iowa State?
0: Yeah, I mean there there are some <laughs> guys this year that deserve to be in the conversation. There's there's yeah. no doubt about it. I, I think that's what you saw from Justin Fields is why you can't just assume a player right. with four less games would do that over the course of a month, and that's the issue that that we yeah. look, that we that we face with that. By the way i loved our buddy cd his reaction to Devonte smith breaking his sec career touchdown receptions record so so cool Devonte smith just continues to blow me away he is in my like i've said it before i'll say it again he is an all-time great sec receiver he's gonna yeah. be lost in the shuffle because he weighs 175 pounds and he's not amari cooper and he's not julio jones and there are people that think he's not even jerry judy but you know what Man, I would take that guy on my team so so much. And when I Mac Jones threw that interception, he had from Bryce Jones. oh my God! Uh, Bryce Jones, wasn't that wasn't that matchy in in the end zone? No. I thought that was
1: no, no. I'm saying so. They they had one where Bryce Young rolled out to his right, fired a pass across his body, like inside the 15-yard line, and he put it right on Devonte's hip. And I thought he that... just turned around. And, no, it was It Was, Devontae. It was? okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I continue to be amazed by him, and he is—he is an all-time SEC great receiver. Um, he could easily hit forty career receiving touchdowns, which only six players at the Power Five level have ever done. That would be an incredible, incredible thing to do.
1: Now I tell you what. Here's here's another thing, and I, I was just about to say real quick. Shout out to CD. I texted him when it happened. I was like, "Don't worry, man. You're still more ripped than Devontae." And, <laughs> and uh, but but like I was thinking about this yesterday too. I would love to see a, a Heisman Trophy finalist, like a field of people that deserve it the most. Like if it has to be like that 1994 Heisman where you had like seven finalists and it's like Steve McNair from Alcorn State, Warren Sapp gets invited, like Rashaan Salaam obviously wins. I think Jay Barker got an invite. We're not going to go over those stats. But like, <laughs> but like all those people, I would love to see that over like, you know, like the 93 one. I know I'm dating myself here. And 93 was like 2014. It was Charlie Ward, Heath Shuler from Tennessee, and David Palmer. I would love to see them extend this to the people that deserve it. Like the kid from Iowa state who has like, he's having a season like Najee's having. He has 15, 15 touchdowns and 1100 something yards. He's averaging like almost 150 a game that the kid, the kid from BYU trash. Zach Wilson. Wilson. So, but the other, the other thing I would also say is Bama could, you could argue they should have three finalists. (laughs) Like, like to be very clear, Eli Moore is the best receiver in the country and deserves to ha- to win the Belichick for the season he's putting up. That being said, what Devontae's doing, if they and they started putting him back there to return punts when Slade Bolden got hurt, hello. Yeah.
0: Ha-da. Yeah. Uh, I loved Lane Kiffin's tweet by the way, where he had uh, it was SEC Network had that great graphic Wheel Fortune, and it was yeah. five yeah. letters that were available. And it, it had Trask on one side and Mac Jones on the other. And because both of their names are, are five letters, they're like, who should win the Heisman? Yeah. it was blank, which is really cool. And then Kiffin chimes in and quote tweets it and says, Moore. I thought that was yeah. just
1: perfect. Dude, I said this last week. Like, he you can't invite the entire A&M offensive line, but they deserve to be getting f- way more love than they're getting. They've only given up one sack all year. And then Eli Moore, I think he absolutely deserves to be invited to, to New York. Absolutely. Via Zoom call. Yeah, it's
0: it's going (laughs) virtual. I'm going to have a lot more thoughts on him as we talk about the Egg Bowl this week as well and his transformation uh, that we'll get to in the preview pod. All right, Kirk Herbstreet, uh, kind enough to join us. He was able to talk about some big-picture SEC things. We had actually recorded this uh, uh, near the end of last week, so we didn't want to ask any too specific uh, to Saturday type of stuff, but got into some South Carolina things, Heisman predictions. uh, Also able to ask sec or the field for the national championship so great great stuff with herbie here is kirk herbstreit we're now excited to be joined by a very special guest kirk herbstreit joins us on behalf of goodyear playoff fan picks so this is going to be unveiled by the selection committee and even though fan votes won't directly impact the teams who get into the playoff obviously it'll give college football world sort of this voice and these will actually be displayed on a massive bracket on the roof uh, of our friends over at the College Football Hall of Fame that we'll get to see thanks to the one and only Goodyear blimp. Kirk, why don't you tell us about the work that you're doing with, uh, with Goodyear in this unprecedented season?
2: I, I think that's a, a perfect way to, to say it. It's unprecedented on so many levels. And um, you know, I think Goodyear came up with a really good program to, to let fans be celebrated in a way of giving them uh, the power to, to have that vote. You know, we, we watch these games and the fans aren't there. Uh, I'm broadcasting the games from a, the, the booth at the 50-yard line looking down and used to seeing fans just going crazy. And there's many stadiums, there's no one there. Um, so I think this is, this is a perfect time to come up with a program like this to, to make sure the fans' voices can be heard. And um, they voted, the fans voted uh, this past uh, Sunday and Monday on the 15th and 16th. And as you said, uh, I, I love the call of it, the Goodyear playoff fan picks. And so as we get ready for Tuesday, uh, the, the initial rankings that come out on the 24th, the fans uh, have voted, and they have Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, even though they lost to Notre Dame at three, mm. and Notre Dame at four. So. It's a lot of fun. It's a great way to get involved um, in in the subjective world of college football. And we encourage you to continue to to debate this at hashtag Goodyear Playoff Fan Picks, Uh, not just this week, but uh, really the rest of the year about who the the, uh, fans think should be the top four teams. So
0: speaking of the playoff, if I give you the option, are you moving the playoff back or are you keeping it exactly where it is this year?
2: Um, I, I talked with Greg um, about Greg Sankey about that last week. Um, just he and I having a one-on-one conversation, not on air. And and then he was on game day when we were at Augusta and he, he kind of echoed his same thoughts. And I, I thought he had a really strong point about the importance of a finish line. He said he's run mm-hmm. over um, 40 marathons, which I find fascinating. <laughs> and I've run a couple half marathons and I'm, I'm in the Clydesdale division ready to pass out. And (laughs) he's important mentally knowing where that finish line is um, because, you know, that last half mile or mile is, is so challenging. And he, and he used that kind of to symbolize what they're going through right now with, with college football. And he thinks moving that finish line would, would make maybe some sense as far as logically, but it doesn't make a lot of sense because he thinks it's, he thinks it's important to kind of hold steady on where we're all trying to go. And I, I, I think there's a lot of validity to that. And I, and I happen to agree with him. And I saw that Bill Hancock came out yesterday and, and said, as of now, it's status quo and mm-hmm. you know, the playoff is where it is. And, and that's, that what that's what needs to happen. So that, that, that's kind of right now, now things may change more and more games may get canceled. And, Maybe you have to reevaluate, but as we sit here right now and coming off a week where I think there was up to 15 games that we either canceled or postponed a week ago. I don't know where we are right now. Last time I checked, I think yesterday we were on six. Um, my, just every time I, I say it, I knock on wood. You know, if, if we can have weeks, uh, like this week, if, if we hold steady at, you know, five or six games, um, then I think you'll see them try the best they can to hold. Uh, to the schedule that they have. And, uh, and but again, if you need to adjust, you adjust. But right now I'm hoping that uh, the schedule is what it is.
0: So if you're, if you're South Carolina Athletic Director Ray Tanner, who are you going all in to hire?
2: Ah, <laughs> well, the obvious names are getting right. I mean, Hugh Freeze, Billy Napier, I mean, Steve Sarkeesian, those are going to be the wish list names that they, that they hope that they're able to, to behind closed doors, create some excitement. Um, I don't know, man. I I don't know how you feel about Columbia and and about South Carolina and and where that ceiling is. I I just don't know. When Steve Spurrier won 11, I think it was three straight years, if you looked around the map, I don't think Tennessee was was being dominant, much like right now. Um, I don't think Florida was a dominant program back then. Georgia was still trying to kind of find consistency. Uh, back then clemson was not clemson uh, even mac brown in north carolina so i think it's just a very very different map around columbia right now and what are realistic expectations their fan base wants them to get to atlanta every year they you know of course they should their fans and they love their team but if you're a coach and you're winning right now are you willing to to kind of uproot what you've accomplished to go to Columbia and and roll the dice and do something that very few people could do. Maybe you are. I don't know. But if, if they can't hit their wish list um, of those three names, I, I think you'll start to see names like Tony Elliott of Clemson, the offensive mm-hmm. coordinator who's, who's done a tremendous job. Brent Venable's name will pop up um, if it hasn't already. I think you'll see Shane Beamer, uh, you know, his name pop up. as a a strong possibility. Shane has an impressive resume uh, as an assistant coach with some of the people that he's been able to work for right now. He's in in Norman and has been uh, for a few years learning underneath um, Lincoln Riley, who's one of the best offensive minds in the game. Um, Those names, I think Todd Monken, maybe at Georgia, uh, could be Mm -hmm. another name that that starts to pop up. Um, I don't know. Those are are kind of the names, at least I'm thinking about uh, as we – as we wonder, you know, who might end up there. Speaking of guys who can
0: scheme receivers open, how impressive have you been with Kiffin? Because the job that he's done at Oxford, in Oxford year one, I mean, I think now we're starting to see, man, should this guy be getting some national coach of the year buzz? Is that a fair thing to say about what he's been able to do so far?
2: Uh, How can you not look at what their offense has done and be blown away by it? I mean, they're, they're every week. They're must see TV with the way they score points. I mean, I I I don't know how you feel. I mean, sometimes I watch the SEC this year, and I'm just I, I'm I'm, on, I'm borderline frustrated. You know, like like it's fun. It's great to see points scored, but is it really good offense or is it really bad defense? I, I or mm. is it a combination of two? I don't know. Uh, but they they're scoring. It seems like. You know, 40 or 50 every single week. I know that the the Arkansas and the Auburn game obviously didn't go well. But even Bama, we all know what what happened in that game. They scored 48 points and lost. Um, I I don't know. I think National Coach of the Year honors, I don't know. I think there's a real good debate just in his conference alone with what Sam Pittman and Arkansas have done. I mean, to think about where Arkansas has been for a long time. And to think about the fact that they have a pulse right now, um, I, I, I would say those two as newcomers are, are in a really good de- uh, kind of a debate or, you know, for fans anyway, a discussion about who should be the the SEC uh, coach of the year. Because I've been uh, really impressed with Sam Pittman.
0: We'll timestamp this and we'll give you credit if you absolutely nail this. And if not, we'll just kind of forget about it. Um, if you yeah. had one one chip to bet on for the heisman trophy winner right now you, you got to put that chip on someone who's
2: your guy oh my gosh how about a year where you got matt jones you got Kyle Trask you have justin fields trevor because of covid ended up ends up missing a, a couple games um but there, there's some ridiculous uh, numbers that are that are out there right now that you can make a strong case for. So I I think right now, Kyle Trask, uh, and he's on a winning team, he and Mac Jones, you know, everyone just assumed when the season started that this was just going to be a, a Trevor Lawrence-Justin Fields um, kind of two-horse race. But those two have definitely done a lot, and I think what hurts Matt Corral is the fact that they're not winning as many games. His numbers have been off the charts, but they're not winning. And as you know, with the Heisman, a lot of times it's about winning. So um, I would say, if I had to pick one, uh, it would be between Trask and Justin Fields. And because Ohio State is is going to be you know higher probably a higher ranked team, I would probably give Fields the nod over Trask.
0: Interesting. All right, last one. I'll get you out on this. If I give you the SEC or the field for a national title, and beware, you know this. Beware of our audience here. SEC or the field for a national title. Who are you taking?
2: Um. Well, to me, it's really Alabama or the field. I mean, Florida has a shot to play Alabama if everything holds steady, and we get to a Florida Bama game. In the SEC championship, I mean, Florida. you, I, I think people would want to watch Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts and that offense, Trayvon Grimes, against that Alabama team. I mean, it, that that would be must see TV, right? But I think Bama is still the team to beat in the SEC. So you're really saying, is it Bama versus the field? Is it Bama over Clemson? Bama over Ohio State? Uh, Bama over Notre Dame? Um, I, I I think this Bama offense is championship caliber. I don't know if their defense is um I think they and but I don't know if anybody's defense is really in in the year of 2020. So sure. I would probably go with the field there. Um but it's not like it's a, a given. I, I would but I would on that bet I would go with the field against uh, against the SEC.
0: I figured I'd throw you Florida in there just in case there's a little wild card. If Florida all of a sudden gets all this this yeah. momentum, we'd be able to include that one as well. But that's yeah. great stuff. Florida, great, great. Florida, stuff.
2: Bama, Florida, Bama will be if they both keep winning and we keep again. I'm knocking on wood, and we yeah. keep having games. Uh, that will be a big time. The SEC championship's always one of the highlights of the year, but. Uh, to watch those two quarterbacks go head-to-head would be be a lot of fun.
0: Well, Kirk, we're going to hopefully get to have you on before, if, if and when we do get that monumental showdown. Uh, this has been great on uh, behalf of Goodyear Playoff Fan Picks. Looking forward to all of your coverage the rest of the way, all the stuff that you're doing with Goodyear and, and everything. Uh, really, really appreciate the time. We'll talk soon.
2: You got it, man. Anytime. Look forward to it.
0: Excellent. Take care.
2: All right, well, fire up the music.
0: Sunday Apologies time. Not too, too many this week. I I don't don't know if I have any. I got got two, I got two. I want to start with the South Carolina defense because yeah, they lost, Mm -hmm. tough look. No JC Horn, no Israel Mukwamu after both of those guys opted out. They had a bunch of guys opting out on that defense. Travis Robinson, his defense, that, that group, Ball in a game where I'm thinking Eli Drinkwitz is gonna scheme all over the place. Yeah. This is gonna be an ugly, ugly loss for South Carolina. They're not gonna be able to stop a thing because that's what they haven't been able to do the last three yeah. games they played. And then all they did was was came out and, and put pressure on Connor Basilac. I thought they I thought they were able to limit that ground game with Larry Roundtree. He really did not going, get going in the way that yeah. I kind of thought he would in that. threw up the and, Q-Dog. That was cool. Yeah, very, very cool. Um, I wish I could do cool things like that and get away with it.
1: Connor, I did that um, when I was six years old at uh, a soccer league and nobody nobody got it except for one parent who was like, hey, you can't do that. Yeah, yeah, frowned upon. Um, but I, I thought South
0: Carolina defense just really, really showed out, played very well, so I apologize for for doubting what their effort was going to be, though I think it was fairly least questioned Other apology. Coach O. Yeah. Mm. Once again, I always forget about the stat about Coach O and being 12-0 and now after a loss. And I always just assume LSU's going to fall apart. And that was the grittiest performance that we have seen from LSU this calendar year. That was the type of performance that makes you think oh, yeah, this won't be a total disaster down the stretch. And this team actually still gives a crap. Which I don't think you can take that for granted in a year like 2020. So I apologize to Coach O for assuming that Arkansas, an Arkansas team who has been better coached, in my opinion, all around than LSU has been this year. I, I assumed that Arkansas team was going to be able to pull one out late, even you know with two minutes left. I'm still thinking Arkansas is going to win that, and that did not happen. So I apologize to Coach O.
1: Um, Sunday so apologies. Hmm. Okay, you know what? I'll do one. I'll do one. I was going to apologize to my liver, but I'll wait till Sunday to do that. Um, Auburn fans. You're going to hear some some terrible things this week, all from me, about you personally, about your university. Um, a lot of unnecessary attacks that are going to happen, and I, I don't know what else to say. Dallas Johns, man, you're my boy and all, but duck and run, because if you guys think that I haven't forgotten about all the one-second memes and the, the field goal thing from last year and how Gus got—we got a whole damn rule changed because of last year's Iron Bowl— I just want to apologize in advance because I'm going to be merciless all week. And I think Mac Jones and Najee Harris and that entire team will be too. So enjoy the Iron Bowl. Um, hope you have a, a great Thanksgiving um, because on Saturday um, you won't have much to be thankful for. There you go. Yikes. Yeah. Wow. Just go for the jugular. All right. You know, I really am. I, I think this year more than anything, I, I definitely am after that Iron Bowl from last year. So okay. there's that. Yeah.
0: No. Okay. Let's talk playoff poll real quick here. I want to predict the top six what we think the top six is going to be when the rankings come out and that um i don't want to say let's call it an overdressed production (laughs) that comes out on tuesday nights Uh, i think there are going to be a lot of people curious to see where cincinnati ends up people want to see where byu ends up at these, looking at these rankings um ohio state to me kind of seems very obvious what about even a team like northwestern if we're going to talk outside the SEC <laughs> footprint who northwestern right now is all of a sudden undefeated at five and zero, and they've just beat Man. wisconsin by double digits and
1: wisconsin sudden- wasn't that good like espn had him as a third best team in the playoff predictor they were they weren't that good they played two games
0: i understand i understand i'm saying an undefeated team that's five and zero at this point at the power mm-hmm. five level is going to get some love i don't think northwestern is going to crack the top six that is not what i'm saying here is my top six tell me where i'm wrong with this Bama's is going to be one that's a foregone conclusion mm-hmm. notre Dame's going to be two ohio state three clemson four florida 5 AM six again that's not what i think personally uh, and i don't i don't spend as much time on this because i don't I'm not necessarily on that selection committee, Yeah. but I think that if we're trying to predict what it's going to be look like, tell me where, where it could potentially differ when these come out on Tuesday.
1: So I heard this yesterday from, I forgot who it was, who it was from, but they, it might have been McElroy, but somebody said, it might have been Orlovsky, I don't know, but they, they were saying that the, you can expect the first one, for whatever reason, the first one especially, to be an, not an indicator of who makes it, but an indicator of who deserves it the most at that moment. And we, we've seen this happen year over year. say about 2014, even the first year when it was like A&M was up there. You had like three of the top four teams are from the SEC or something like that. Um, I, I, think, I think that Bama will be one. Notre Dame will be two. I don't think Ohio State makes it. I don't think they're in the top four. I think they will be when all is said and done. But I think that when you look at it, like, what, what the committee has tried to prove matters is what happens on the field. Not projecting, not who's the best team, stuff like that. When it's like the eye test comes into play when it's like, all right, we, it's the end of the season. We have two teams that are 12-1, and one, whatever. Ohio State hasn't done all year. Excuse my language, but, like, they haven't done anything. They've had a, such a limited schedule. And to put them up at two or, or three, while they should be ranked there, I guess, like w- with, like, AP and, co- and coaches Poll, I guess, if you're saying who the best teams of the country, if the, it's the playoff and who deserves to be in as of right now. Bama won. Notre Dame 2. I think Cincinnati is gonna be in the top four. I do. Oh, I, I a thousand really? percent think Cincinnati will be in the top four. I, I, I think that they will be I think Clemson probably still makes it, but I think you're gonna see Bama, Notre Dame, excuse me, excuse me, hold on. <coughs> excuse me. Oh you're um, lost. Bama, Notre Dame. I think maybe Ohio State makes the top four at like at four, but I think you're gonna see Clemson. Maybe even a Florida, but Clemson, then Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati would be ranked ahead of Ohio State in the first one. Because it doesn't wow. matter. Because this one doesn't really matter. And, like, again, if you're like, you, you don't want to already face the scrutiny of, like, well, why are we playing? Why are they even playing the seat, Like the season? Like, Cincinnati did the right thing. The Big Ten, let's not forget, the Big Ten is the same group of people that decided to go their own way. And and go rogue and do their own season and and this is why we have such a late start on like like to like the playoff and how we're trying to include this stuff and yes there are games that were canceled blah, blah blah but when you look at it like I'm looking at the playoff predictor right now, Bama seven and Notre Dame eight and O eight and BYU is effing nine and O you know what I mean like and, and you know damn well the Pac-12 is not going to be scheduled in BYU, it's just not going to no, happen. There's no
0: chance. There's no chance.
1: Clemson seven and one and then everywhere else like. I get the Northwestern thing. I get USC, Oregon. They're three and you0 as well. Ohio State. Shout out Ohio's, Joe Moorhead. Well, he's not even the head coach, I, but
0: he's <laughs> dialing up. He's dialing up plays. They're still putting he, up thirty-five plus every game. Nobody. They scored casual. fourteen
1: points off a of turnover just in the first quarter. Irrelevant. Okay, so, but but like, I, I honestly wouldn't even be surprised to see Florida or A and M right ahead of Ohio State tomorrow. Not at the end of the year, but tomorrow because Ohio State, you've played four games. You've beaten one team that's ranked in the top ten, and sure, it's Indiana, but, uh, you know, it's, it's a good, juggernaut. whatever. Absolutely. They don't deserve to be in the top four yet. They just don't. Like, like if, if it's based off of resume, because otherwise, again, you don't want to hear this if you're the committee, but why the hell are we playing the games? Like, why, why, did, why did Cincinnati play? Why did they even go on the road against UCF yesterday? By the way, did you see the ending of that game? Yeah, I, I think that— Hold on. Did you see the ending of that game? Which wait, say say that again. UCF and Sensei. Oh yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I watched the end with of that. With the that, snap, that
2: fumble.
1: Oh, oh
0: my, my gosh! God. If your heart did not stop <laughs> with that botch snap, that is why it baffles me. It truly baffles me that when teams kneel at the end of the game. They do the shotgun snap. Yeah. I get it. That's your base formation. That's what you're comfortable with. But, uh, like, if you can't execute just a, a basic snap to your quarterback with him, like, you know, hands under the rear. Yeah. You know, call it call it 20th century, whatever. But I was like, I, I didn't have a rooting interest in Dude. that game. And I'm watching that game, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. No. Well, a, no.
1: The thing is, too, if you're going to do it out of shotgun formation, then you just do the same thing that you usually do if you're going to need it and have somebody behind them.
0: But they right, had exactly. they,
1: they lined up in like a split formation with like quarterback standing behind him and a, and a running back to his right and then like nine men on the line. You're like no 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 no. no, Anyway, but yeah, that's that's what I think. I think that tomorrow you'll see. You you got to give these kids some love at some point and and give them like a tip of the cap of like man they're having an incredible season. Cincinnati and BYU are good football teams.
0: Yeah, like, I don't think really good. I don't think there's any debate about that. It'll be interesting though, very very interesting to see how this is judged because. Man, everything that we we like to throw out there when it comes to, you know, comparing teams and stuff like that, yeah. it is just way different this year. Way way different, especially not even having that non-conference slate to be able to compare yeah. these teams. And by the way, I do think Florida is going to be ranked ahead of AM and AM fans are going to hate it. I get that. I totally get that. And I think part of that is going to be because the way that they lost and in addition to that Florida having the convincing win against Georgia on a neutral site is going to is going to favor. I get head to head is important as well, but A fans will be very frustrated. I think Florida was, will be ranked ahead of A
1: It was funny looking at that yesterday because there were people that had, um, people like when you you had them like side by side and it was like, hey, who's your top four or whatever, and they did it like with Jordan and Cole and a couple other people, and it was funny because it was it was almost down to a t like split down the middle of who they had for like Florida A at five or six. So
0: yeah let's close out by guessing some week 10 lines it is rivalry week yes thanksgiving week it is a time in which we usually are ending the regular season but instead we still have a little bit more after this which is going to be a little bit unique in itself so many of these games i'm just used to Riding off into the bowl season, riding off into the SEC championship. It's going to be weird to look at the Iron Bowl and be like, oh yeah, there's still going to be you know at least a game that Alabama is going to play potentially too. We'll see how that plays out. Kentucky, Florida. Florida is going to be at least a two-score favorite. I think Florida defensively still has some issues. Ken Seals actually look really good in that yeah. game. I'm buying more and more of the Ken Seals stock, the Vanderbilt true freshman quarterback. Go take that Kirby Smart and Jeremy Pruitt. A true freshman quarterback can actually play in a game. Um, I think that Florida is, and I know every Georgia fan is just like Jake Fromm played as a true freshman too. I get it. Whatever. I'm being topical. Yeah. Florida going to be a 16 and a half point home favorite against Kentucky.
1: Oh, 20 and a half. 20 and a half. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot.
0: Kentucky's offense is in dire, dire shape. Arkansas, Mizzou. Interesting, interesting spread because I don't think it's very big. I don't think that you can make Arkansas that big of a favorite yet. When well, we haven't seen them have that kind of week to week dominance at all, like, and especially on the road too, where you sort of question, you know, how much they're going to be able to, to how much they're going to be able to really perform when we, we saw them impacted by by COVID issues as well. Mizzou dealing with some of those issues. I think Arkansas is like a two point favorite on the road. Four and a half. Four and a half. Okay, that's good too. I like that. Tackling fuel. I hate that the Egg Bowl isn't going to be played on Thanksgiving. It bums me out. It really does. I love that game so, so much. Mississippi State is going to be a road dog against Lane Kiffin. The question is by how much after what we saw against Georgia, where they really came out and I thought did some things that they haven't really done all year, that offense is kind of coming into shape with Will Rogers. I would have initially said that Ole Miss is going to be a double-digit favorite in this game. I am no longer saying that. Okay. Okay. I think Ole Miss minus six and a half.
1: Uh, nine and a
0: half. Nine and a half. LSU-A&M. Game that A&M has had circled <laughs> on calendar for a while. And it's weird because we're talking about this in such a different light than we were over the summer when it was, hey, this is like if, if A&M can just get to those last two weeks of the season when this original schedule was out and it's LSU and Bama in these last two weeks, will they still have a playoff chance? AM still has a playoff chance and they're facing LSU late in the season. And AM is going to be a home favorite. Coming off of a very long layoff, AM will still be a favorite. AM, double-digit favorite against LSU. I'll stick um, at that solid, I'll stick at that 10 and a half points.
1: I was gonna say 10 and a half. I think that's good.
0: Okay. Georgia, South Carolina, Saturday night in the SEC. See how JT Daniels impacts Vegas. See what, what Vegas thinks of Georgia's Ooh. offensive potential. Vegas was giving Georgia a lot of love in that Mississippi State game, and in part because of the COVID issues that Mississippi State was facing. I get that. Georgia's going to be a big favorite on the road. I think they're – man, if that South Carolina defense had just laid down, we'd be talking about a different spread. 15-and-a-half point road favorite.
1: 15-and-a-half. I will say 20-and-a-half. That's a lot. That is a lot. George Stevens didn't look great. Four hundred yards. They did not look great. But I mean, like, what South Carolina's offense going to do? Nothing exactly. Luke Doty, Luke yeah. Doty, Kevin Harris, all there. Sure, day. absolutely. They're going to run the football in Georgia. Can't wait yep. to see it.
0: <laughs> Tennessee Vandy. Oh man, if Jeremy Pruitt loses this game, forget about it. Vandy is quietly, quiet. I don't know. That's like a Jersey <laughs> thing. I'm, I'm <laughs> sipping the Rutgers Kool Aid after that triple overtime game. They won. Michigan.
1: Now they lost. Oh, damn it. Man, okay. <sighs> okay.
0: There's no way Tennessee can lose this game, right? Vegas is going to give Tennessee a little bit of love, despite the fact that quietly, and Alyssa Lang tweeted this out, and I agree 100%, Vandy is still playing. Vandy is out there winless and yeah. still actually playing. They were without Keon Henry Brooks. They're starting running back, and it didn't even matter. Like That, that was a team that still came out and gave Florida some problems early on, I thought, for sure. Tennessee is going to be a road favorite. But it's not going to be that much. It can't be that much. Seven points. Uh,
1: I was going to say seven and a half.
0: Man, we're we're running right the money. All right, I go. saved I saved it for last. The Iron Bowl. These people. Bama will be a double-digit home favorite because when you produce like that on offense and quietly, this Alabama secondary is playing at a ex, at an exceptional level right now. Malachi Moore is in to next
1: Mika Fitzpatrick, I can't wait for it.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be Bama at least 13 and a half Let's go ah! 13 and a half
1: I said 14 and a half I hope it's a thousand
0: <laughs> I don't think it'll be a thousand I think a it lot of won't. people would bet auburn if it was a thousand that would be very and by the way very, very easy money.
1: um I, I know that this is not a uh uh you know we're not we're not giving a a huge um, what in the world is happening? you know what never mind Connor go ahead
0: all right. Marlar is scrambling right now at the end of the podcast. He gave out one Iron Bowl line, and all of a sudden, he's just falling apart here.
1: No, my. Uh, somehow, my mic just got caught in the chair, like in the wheel. Um, we're fine here. Regardless, uh, yeah, it's, I was going to say, he like, was talking about it won't get up to 1,000. Do you know the line for the Fandle promo we did yesterday? Tennessee got up to like 116?
0: And Free money. And yeah. Tennessee did its best to not cover, but. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's true. Somehow
0: so, was I was able to cover. So. All right, loaded, loaded week. It's going to be a great week. Hope everybody has a, a a safe and happy Thanksgiving. We're going to talk to you before then. Don't get me wrong. We're still yeah, going to exactly have our right. usual, so, still going to have our usual midweek pod. I mean, I'm thinking that we still record, on, so, still can record on Wednesday. I would assume, and then yeah. people that are driving for their long Thanksgiving trips. If you're having hopefully a, a safe and happy healthy holiday with your families. Uh, You're able to turn us on in the car and you're able to listen to some SEC talk. going to have a lot of great stuff coming this way on SDS. Oh, by the way, SEC basketball, let's go this week. That's happening. That's a real thing. College basketball, kind of forgot about that. I'm even writing college basketball stories. Again, Adam Spencer doing great, great work heading up all of our SEC basketball coverage. Make sure you check out all of that fine stuff. We have so much great news content that is going up on SDS right now. Michael Bratton, Adam, all of our our news team, they're continuing to just crank it out. Really appreciate all the fine work they're doing over there so if you're not following us out on all of our social media platforms uh you should be follow us on facebook the saturday down Style podcast on facebook make sure you follow us on twitter at sds at the sds podcast at did i just say the sds podcast the sds pod oh man i never yeah. set up on that at Vern funquist at cj marler um Thanksgiving, Saturday, not Saturday, Thursday. Wow, I'm a mess. What do we need to remember? Roll, effing, tide. Okay, that'll work. Talk to you guys soon.